This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The sound and the fury gathers together, signifying something, I'm sure. Anthony Fury, Sun Papers National columnist. Good afternoon. Well signified. Hello, sir. Thank you. And uh, Andrew Clark, contributing writer for the Globe and Mail, award-winning journalist, screenwriter, and author. How's Andrew? Great. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, I appreciate you guys coming in. You know, uh, especially this fortuitous, because there's a couple of things that are right there, front and center on my radar, and I know it's uh, in your sweet spot, too, Anthony. For example, when we were just talking now with some of the callers, this idea that the party with the most seats would form the next government. Traditionally, that's the way it's been. However, uh, we're hearing Jagmeet saying he's resistant to any conservative minority and would fight against them, his words, uh, and there's a prospect of a coalition of minorities. But some are even suggesting that's a de facto coup. How do you see it? Yeah, I think it would be a de facto coup. And I, I don't make this statement lightly. If this happens, if Andrew Scheer wins the most number of seats but does not become prime minister, even for a brief period in time, an 18-month you know, minority government, that will fundamentally change democracy in Canada. It will make us much more like European countries, where we have much uh, less stable government, a rise of smaller parties and so forth, basically what proportional representation would bring about. In Australia, they have a similar thing, more it happens from within caucus and the prime minister rolls over sometimes every 12 months. And we have to ask ourselves, do we want to head in that direction. This has never been done before. Yes, there are times when obviously a prime minister doesn't win a minority. Uh, Paul Martin, Stephen Harper are, are recent examples. There's many more going back. And then they are propped up by other people, but they still won the most number of seats. Yes, in a Westminster system, you can just cobble together whatever majority support you want. Heck, any MP can stand up any day and randomly say, I have a new budget. I made a budget on a napkin. And if he can get 51% of people to vote behind it, then suddenly you've got the confidence of the House, and that's the new direction of the government. I mean, the rules of the Westminster system allow pretty much anything to happen. That is not the convention of how things roll in Canada, and we will have a... We will have a crisis on our hands, a democratic and a constitutional crisis. And, and the governor general, she just she won't look at just what the rules are when they come knocking. Jagmeet Singh and Justin Trudeau, they'll have to knock on her door at Rideau Hall and say, I know we kind of lost the election, but Tr Trudeau still wants to be prime minister and I'll be his I'll be his minister of finance. Jagmeet Singh, can you let it happen? She's not just going to look at the explicit written rules, but the spirit of the times and the convention. I think her advisors might tell them, get out of here. It's up to Andrew Scheer to form the first government. Look, if this was the way things were going to be, they should have told us, John, before the writ was dropped. Not mm. now, two, before, two days before the vote. Does it matter how close the vote uh, is or the vote count, the seat count? I mean, if it's uh, just marginal one or two, uh, do we sort of go back to the future and suggest that, well, you know, the guy was yeah. prime minister. Yeah. I, I, yes and no. They would have a greater case for doing that for sure. But, um, you know, still, we'd be in, in uncharted terrain. And we have to think very carefully about all of this. And, and we're seeing, I'm seeing headlines, CBC, CTV, like people kind of priming the pumps to make the public feel like, oh, this is just the way it's naturally going to be. It's not. And we got to have a tough conversation if we're going to go that way. Andrew Clark, do you think that this is a, a watershed moment if it comes to pass? I mean, it's all conjecture right now, but, uh, you know, the prospect of uh, going forward and replicating Italian parliaments. Well, I was going to say, if, if we can replicate Italian parliament, we should lobby for the wine and some of the food to be sent <laughs> over. Uh, if we're going to go, let's go all the way. Uh, but I, I think that it's, high, I think it's pretty unlikely. I think for the liberals, it would be a real bad choice because they might you know win something in the short term but in the long term you're basically saying there's no difference between the liberal party and uh the Demo new democrat party and and then it's going to make it that much easier the next election for the uh, ndp to argue 
yes, we can win an election. Because I think the, the thing that's been counted out was people always saying, well, if I vote NDP, in most writings, it's a waste of my vote, quote unquote, because there's no chance of them winning. Uh, so, I, I mean, it would be a watershed moment. I don't, I don't think it would be a good one in the long term for the liberals. Uh, because I, I, I think that they would uh, they'd look pretty bad. Well, uh, John, I, I want to add, I think Jagmeet really screwed up by ruling out ever working with the conservatives, because one thing that was uh, in Jack Layton's wisdom, and we're learning in retrospect, he was very wise in a lot of his machinations. Uh, he said, okay, you guys want to stay in government? Here's what you got to do, Stephen Harper. Here's what you got to do, other governments. And he always you know, used these things to broker to his advantage. And Jack Layton claimed that over decades in Canada, a lot of the progress has come because of getting the support of the CCF and the NDP. I think he was oversell the point to a degree, but there's a certain truth from it that, you know, Jack Lane and other NDP leaders can say, yes, I got this done. I got that done, even though I didn't get into power. And I think Jagmeet Singh can turn around and obviously can work with Andrew Scheer and say, I'll support you if you give me A and B and Scheer will probably do it. But I just wonder if what he's doing is trying to uh, put down a marker uh, to say, I'd be the progressive, uh, the guy who would uphold your values and principles, it's a tactical move as much as anything because he doesn't want... See, yeah. what Justin Trudeau is trying to play now is uh, the scare to uh, get people to vote strategically. Do you see that happening? I mean, he's talking about, hey, we're the only ones who can carry this banner forward. I think you're giving Jagmeet too much credit. I think he's just in on that idea that everything, all conservatism is total evil and I won't stand with them at all. I think it's maybe that simple. <laughs> okay. Uh, nonetheless, so uh, we'll see if this plays out. As I said earlier, it's a, a matter of conjecture. Something else that I wanted to ask you about, uh, this speech uh, that's to be given on the 29th of this month by a Megan Murphy at the Toronto Public Library, Palmerston Branch. Apparently, there are a number of authors who have now colluded. Uh, there's a coalition of like-minded folk uh, that are decrying her for her hatred and her bigotry. And uh, if I got it right, all she's suggesting is that when it comes to transgender athletes, you know, it's at a disadvantage. The female athlete is at a disadvantage, whereas uh, somebody who previously had been male, the physiology and the biology is such, it gives an advantage to the transgender athlete. My understanding, you spoke to Megan Murphy earlier today? Yeah, I did. So she's very much a left-wing uh, feminist author, not, you know, some people say, oh, I'm left wing. And then you look at their positions and you're like, no, they're not. No, she is. She was a writer for rabble.ca and so forth. Uh, in the feminist community, always there have been major splits in terms of, you know, their views. Like you go back to the seventies and there are some who believed that uh, pornography was empowering to women and others who believed that it was exploitative to women. And they were still in the left wing ecosystem. You've got a split again among left wing feminists where some uh, say trans women are, are the vanguard of gender battles. And others say, these aren't women. These were guys for 50 years until just you know tomorrow we don't want them in the bathrooms with us and so forth and that's the debate and that's a debate and i think that's okay but one side is saying no that's not a debate that's hate speech and a provocation for violence and she must be banned megan murphy and i think that's really disturbing that we're actually uh, going along with that. I'm not surprised to hear that from a few rabble rousers and that they're being amplified in the media. What's really disappointing to me, John Tory's going along with it and he's denouncing Toronto Public Library. And I'm not, you know, this is kind of beyond like news of the day. Like next time I see him, I'm gonna say, John, what are you doing? Like he is way offside <laughs> well, on this. I guess he's uh, surmising mm -hmm. uh, maybe in his inner circle, there's a climate of such that uh, he thinks he's on the right side of this equation. But Andrew, let me ask you, look, uh, we can project back. Uh, I think it was a 76 Olympics, uh, Bruce Jenner wins the decathlon. If at that time Bruce decided to be Caitlyn Jenner, she still wins the decathlon, uh, but has a decided advantage in doing so, right? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's been uh, some controversy uh, lately about, yeah, uh, uh, trans athletes competing in female uh, competitions and basically winning outright. And right. the debate is whether that's uh, an infringement on the uh, female identified athletes, if you want to use that term. So... Uh, it's a it's a conundrum. I mean, I mean, I think the idea of, of a petition to ban someone from speaking it at a library, uh, you know, what do you, how many signatures do you have to get in order to get them out? You know, I mean, to me, it you whether or not you like what she has to say, uh, she has a right to say it at that space. They're arguing that it's a public space and therefore it shouldn't be used as a platform for someone that they consider to be spreading hate speech. But I, I, I don't know how you organize uh, freedom of speech where you allow some people to decide what it is and other people don't have a, a say whatsoever. Yeah, it's interesting you point that out because I guess the petition from these authors that's been making the rounds has garnered already like 2,200 signatures. Yeah. And was point, is there a critical mass or a tipping point where you say, you know what, uh, yeah, we're going to side with the folks who want to keep Megan Murphy from speaking and, uh, you know, that her speech would even constitute hate or bigotry makes no sense because it's based on biology. It's an argument you hear from a lot of at female athletes even. And it wasn't it, uh, I guess, the I, uh, IAAF that uh, recently ruled on Castor Semenya, uh, the runner from South Africa, to reduce hormone levels. Right. And, uh, I mean, we're getting into a real sort of uh, gray area in sport. But, I mean, it's defined if somebody previously had been a male... I mean, why uh, why would that be banned speech and considered to be hate or bigotry? And what's interesting is Megan told me that she's been receiving some death threats from some of these trans activists. So, I mean, she's not the perpetrator of hate. She's made it clear she doesn't wish ill to these people, wish harm upon them. She's not the perpetrator of hate. She's on the receiving end of hatred. And Mayor John Tory is apparently stoking the flames of hate against her. Interesting development. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.